It's the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. A House divided. Good afternoon. Republicans will try again today to elect a House Speaker after three failed attempts yesterday. A Speaker has not been elected. A Speaker has not been elected. A Speaker has not been elected. Until a Speaker is elected, the business of the House cannot begin. Reporter Scott McFarland. Not only is there no Speaker of the House, there are no sworn-in members of the U.S. House of Representatives. They can't do that until the Speaker's been chosen, so there's no functioning House of Representatives during the standoff. The man who wants to be Speaker, California's Kevin McCarthy, has failed to garner the votes he needs to take the gavel from Nancy Pelosi. I think we'll find our way to get there, and uh, this is a healthy debate. It might not happen on the day we want it, but it's going to happen. McCarthy sounding optimistic despite the revolt within his own party, Florida's Byron Donalds, one of 20 GOP congressmen refusing to get on the McCarthy bandwagon. Leader McCarthy doesn't have the votes. It's pretty apparent off the first two ballots. And so at that point, then you have to start considering alternatives if he cannot get there. McCarthy's supporters are furious that the speaker vote has turned into such a spectacle. There's a point where you go from negotiation to a hostage situation. And 90% of the Republicans that were voted into this majority can't be held hostage for the agenda of a very few. Congressman Michael Waltz also in McCarthy's corner is Indiana's Jim Banks. Someone has to get 218 votes and Kevin McCarthy is the only one that's getting close to that number. David Spunt with Fox News says meantime on the other side of the political aisle. And uh, you bet the Democrats are enjoying this spectacle. Arizona Congressman-elect Ruben Gallego tweeted, we're breaking the popcorn out in the Dem caucus till Republicans get their act together. Former House Speaker Nick Gingrich thinks there could be political blowback for the Never Kevin Caucus. Those so-called insurgents, whatever you want to call them, are actually putting their re-election at risk right now because people are going to look up and say, how can you hold the entire party hostage? How can you hold the House hostage? Who do you think you are? But Texas Congressman Chip Roy disagrees. He says what is happening in the House is actually healthy for democracy and does not amount to chaos. Somebody who lives right now in like Des Moines, Iowa, and they're, they're going to their job, they're going to school. Oh no, 24 hours without a Speaker of the House. Americans want us to change the way everything works or doesn't work. And I think they're patient enough to wait out a day or two for us to do what needs to be done. Not since 1923 has a ruling party failed to elect a speaker on the first ballot. Lawmakers will try for a fourth time this afternoon. Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin still in critical condition in a Cincinnati hospital. After his heart stopped during a game Monday against the Bengals, it happened during a tackle in the first quarter. The 24-year-old is sedated and on the ventilator. ESPN's Dan Orvlosky said a prayer on the air for Hamlin last night. God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard. We just want to pray for strength for DeMar, for healing for DeMar, for comfort for DeMar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. We lift up DeMar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Hamlin's uncle says his condition has improved, but the road to recovery remains long. His heart went out twice, went out on the field when they resuscitated him, and then when he got back to the hospital, went out a second time, and they had to hit him with the defibrillator. People don't even know us. It's showing love and support, man, and we're so thankful for that. I know those prayers is helping because he's definitely recovering. God got a mission for him, and that's why he's still here. The world-famous Niagara Falls was lit up in the Bills' color last night in honor of DeMar Hamlin. The 28-year-old Pennsylvania man accused in the brutal stabbing deaths of four college students in Idaho will be on his way soon to the Gem State to face first-degree murder charges. Brian Koberger waived his extradition rights yesterday. The mother of one of the victims hopes Koberger gets the death penalty. This person went in there that night with the intent to kill and showed no mercy, killed our daughter, her best friend, and their two friends. We are glad that we live in the state of Idaho with the death penalty. Police had to use force to break into Koberger's home in the Poconos back on December 30th when he was arrested. Pennsylvania State Police Colonel Robert Evanchek. I did not imagine the investigation would lead to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. My heart goes out to the families of the victims. Koberger's attorney remains confident that the 28-year-old will be exonerated in a court of law, but Idaho prosecutors are confident they have their guy. This guy's a dangerous killer. You really have to be on top of your game to, to get gather up every shred of evidence and convince a jury that there's just no other person that could have done this. The accused killer was attending college just a few miles away from the off-campus apartment where the murders occurred. We are learning more today about the attack on a Mexican prison just nine miles from the U.S. border. A Mexican gang leader with ties to the notorious drug warlord El Chapo was among those who escaped during that raid. Gunmen in bulletproof vehicles sprayed the prison with bullets, killing 17 people, including 10 prison guards. 25 inmates escaped. The Democratic governor of Colorado is busing illegal immigrants in his state to Democrat-led cities like New York City and Chicago. Jared Polis says his state will assist in getting migrants to where they need to go. In Denver, city services are overwhelmed by an influx of migrants. Here's Councilwoman Amanda Sandoval. We're running out of resources rapidly, and we need other jurisdictions to step up. New York City's Mayor Eric Adams calls the move by the Democratic governor unfair, despite labeling his city a sanctuary city. The FDA is making abortion pills available in more pharmacies, including major drugstores. Also, do-it-yourself abortions will now be legal through telehealth services. Here's legal analyst Jessica Levinson. The big legal question here is what happens in about 30 states that ban or severely restrict abortions. States are trying to prohibit something, the prescription and use of abortion pills, that the federal government allows. Pro-life groups argue do-it-yourself abortions are dangerous not just for the unborn but for the woman seeking them. Kristen Hawkins with Students for Life says at least 24 women have died using abortion pills like RU486. We're seeing these articles pop up over and over again with how to do yourself abortions. These are dangerous. Hawkins says there are a lot of unknowns when it comes to keeping tabs on the darker side of the abortion industry. We need a national abortion reporting law. We do not have good statistics 
on abortion, um, especially when we're talking about uh, complications of abortion. The Justice Department has just given permission for the Postal Service to continue delivering abortion pills through the mail. Pills are now used in more than half of all the abortions performed in this country. Still to come on the Noon Report, it is opening day in Albany. Pennsylvania has a House Speaker and Hamlin's heart still beating today. This is meteorologist Ken McKinley. Some more rain will fall across the region as we head through this afternoon as temperatures remain well above normal over the next few days, slowly turning cooler. Complete forecast details coming your way in about 10 minutes. All right, Ken, thank you very much. The 2023 legislative session is underway in Albany. New York lawmakers returning to the Capitol for their six-month session. State Senator Jim Tedisco says something must be done to address out-migration. All the people who are leaving New York. I don't think you can hide the statistics anymore. I think across the state, people are seeing this as a revolving door. Tedisco says crime and the high cost of living are why so many are fleeing the Empire State. Southern Tier Assemblyman Phil Palmasano spoke to Family Life News earlier today. People are voting with their feet. People are tired and frustrated with the policies of this administration and by the one-party rule in Albany. Palmasano says marijuana and gambling seem to be the only industries that are thriving right now in New York. When they legalized gambling in New York State, I was opposed to it. And obviously the legalization of marijuana, I had a big problem with it. I think it was going to cause more and more problems as we move forward, I said. Among the issues that the Senate and Assembly could address this session include changes to current bail reform laws. Governor Hochul lays out her agenda next Tuesday during her State of the State speech. The legislative session is scheduled to run until June the 8th. There's a renewed push in New York to ban youth tackle football. Here's Family Life's Jeremy Miller. Millions watched as 24-year-old Buffalo Bills safety Damar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest on the field. But the sponsor of the legislation says that terrifying incident is not related to this bill. Assemblyman Michael Benedetto announced plans in the fall to relaunch his push to ban tackle football for kids 12 and under in the next session, which starts today. The bill has been met with pushback from several lawmakers on both sides of the aisle. It has never advanced to a floor vote, and it lacks a sponsor in the state Senate. Right now, Hamlin is still in critical condition at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Jeremy Miller, Family Life News. All right, Jeremy, thank you. Local high school football programs are taking stock of their safety protocols. Following that now infamous tackle on Monday Night Football, here's sports journalist Clay Travis. Hopefully he is going to be okay. It appears that he is trending in a good direction. And then the question will become, what happened to him exactly? What needs to occur, if anything? Was this a totally freakish incident? Uh, and uh, if so, is there anything that can be done to help ensure that this is even less likely than it already has been? Travis calls it a one-in-a-million shot that sent the 24-year-old Hamlin into cardiac arrest. Experts credit those on-the-field first responders for saving his life. Mike House is a local athletic director. I think we saw the power of educated, trained people with very clear roles executing in the moment. And to me, that's the lesson that can be learned and applied, uh, whether it's a youth league, whether it's a high school, you know, whether it's a big time college program. He says it is tragedies like this why coaches at all levels are required to be trained in CPR. A divided Pennsylvania House has elected Reading Democrat Mark Rossi as Speaker of the House. I pledge my allegiance and my loyalty to no interest in this building, to no interest in our politics. I pledge my loyalty 
to the people of the Commonwealth who are tired of the hyper-partisanship from both parties. Rossi receiving a dozen Republican votes after the GOP was unable to retain control of that chamber. Despite having a one-seat majority, there are three special elections in February, which are expected to give Democrats the majority. Republican Senate leader Kim Ward offering her two cents on the upheaval. When you have a majority that's slim, it's very difficult. So, you know, they'll be, they'll be forced to the middle. And that might be good for Pennsylvania. Democratic leader Jay Costa urging patience on the part of Pennsylvanians when it comes to sorting out this power struggle. Give the House a little time to be able to work through uh, the processes. This is not something unique to Pennsylvania. As we know, what's going on down in Washington, D.C. as we speak. So this is not unusual to have these type of log jams and these type of issues. When you have divided government, this is some of the things that happen over that time. The GOP's Jim Gregory explains why he voted for Mark Rossi as speaker. In politics in Pennsylvania, there are... Uh, checkers games and there are chess games and uh, Mark will act as an independent I trust him. I believe in him. What remains to be seen is whether Rossi will remain House Speaker after those three special elections next month. Sadly, there are more casualties to report from the historic blizzard in Buffalo. Family Life's Greg Gillespie takes a closer look. Two more blizzard-related fatalities have been confirmed. Erie County Executive Mark Polenkars says the death toll from the Christmas week storm is now 42 in western New York. An Amherst man was found dead in a snowbank, and a Buffalo woman died from lack of oxygen during a power outage. 17 of the victims were found outside, 11 were in homes, 4 were in cars, 4 died while shoveling snow, 3 deaths resulted from delayed emergency responses, and 2 died from storm-related injuries. A man in Lockport died of carbon monoxide poisoning. Greg Gillespie, Family Life News. All right, Greg, thank you for that. The new year means higher prices on everything from gas to electricity in Pennsylvania. And to add insult to injury, the turnpike is hiking tolls as well. Another 5% this year. Family Life's Terry Diener. The Turnpike Commission approved the rate increase in August. According to the commission, the most common toll for a passenger vehicle will increase from $1.70 to $1.80 for Easy Pass customers and from $4.10 to $4.40 for tolled by plate customers. And remember that Act 112 is now in effect. Drivers who have four or more overdue toll-by-plate invoices or $250 or more in unpaid tolls can have their vehicle registrations suspended. Terry Diener, Family Life News. Okay, Terry, thank you much. Your midweek, midday sports next, right here on the Family Life Noon Report. Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, the Buffalo Sabres raced out to a 3-1 lead over the Caps, but Washington fought back and took the lead 4-3 in the third period. Ah, but the Sabres weren't done. They tied things up and sent the contest into overtime. Tage Thompson scored the game winner three minutes into the extra period, and Buffalo beat Washington 5-4. Thompson had the hat trick for the Sabres. Alex Ovechkin scored twice for the Caps. The Sabres players' thoughts and prayers were going out to Bills safety DeMar Hamlin, wearing love for three shirts heading into their game. In the Big Apple, the Rangers ended Carolina's 11-game winning streak 5-3. Truba, Zibanejad, Panarin, and Miller all found the back of the net for the Blue Shirts. Philip Hedial scored an empty netter at the end of the game. 
The Islanders took a 3-2 lead into the third period and finished strong, scoring three more times to pull away from the Canucks. A2 Raytree, Jean-Gabriel Peugeot, and Matthew Varzal all scored in the second. Peugeot notched his second goal of the night in the third, along with Anders Lee and Casey Sezikas. The Isles now winners of four of their last five. On the hardwood, a big night for Giannis Antetokounmpo. He had a career-high 55 points to lead the Milwaukee Bucks to a 123-113 win over the Wizards. Giannis also had 10 rebounds, and that makes him only the fourth player in NBA history to have at least 40 points, 10 rebounds, and 5 assists in three straight games. The Thunder thumped the Celtics 150 to 117. Sacramento edged Utah 117 to 115. That is a look at sports. All right, Randy Mann still to come on the Noon Report, a midweek edition. They're still searching for a speaker on Capitol Hill. Signs of improvement for DeMar Hamlin. And some tips to keep you on track with those New Year's resolutions. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. To be Christian, especially in this confusing cultural moment, requires that we steward and intentionally cultivate our minds in the love of God. An exemplary model of someone who took that calling seriously is James Clerk Maxwell. His work was foundational for so many of the most important discovery within 20th century physics. Born in Edinburgh, Scotland in 1831, Maxwell entered the University of Edinburgh at age 16. When he didn't find his studies all that demanding, he dedicated his spare time to self-constructed chemical, electric, and magnetic devices, especially polarized prisms and gelatins. This work led to two scientific papers that he completed at age 18. In 1850, Maxwell then went to Cambridge. While there, he underwent an evangelical conversion. He remained an evangelical Presbyterian for the rest of his life, eventually becoming an elder in the Church of Scotland. Soon, Maxwell's work changed the field of physics altogether. For example, he showed that light was a form of electromagnetic radiation and worked out key concepts describing electromagnetic behavior. That work was later simplified into four partial differential equations that paved the way for Einstein's theory of special relativity. He also produced the first light-fast color photograph in 1861 and proposed a system for defining physical quantities, a system now known today as dimensional analysis. Maxwell's faith was very important to his understanding of science and put him at odds with most of his contemporaries. The dominant philosophy of the day among scientists was positivism. This is the idea that the only foundation for knowledge is empirical observation and the logical and mathematical analyses of these observations. This means that intuition, introspection, revelation, tradition are not valid ways of finding truth. Therefore, the authority of the Bible must be rejected, along with claims to miracles and divine interventions of any kind. Maxwell, however, rejected positivism as being both reductionistic and presumptuous. He believed firmly in the scriptures and had a decidedly mystical streak in his Christian life that he rarely discussed. To Maxwell, science was a profoundly religious endeavor. Among the daily prayers he would often repeat was this one. Teach us to study the work of thy hands, that we may subdue the earth to our uses and strengthen our reason for thy service. And so rescue thy blessed word, that we may believe on him whom thou hast sent to give us the knowledge of salvation and the remission of our sins. Along these lines, Maxwell understood science to be an expression of the cultural mandate, it was out of Genesis 1, and to be connected with the gospel overall. 
1875, he would say this, I think that men of science as well as other men need to learn from Christ. And I think that Christians whose minds are scientific are bound to study science, that this view of the glory of God may be as extensive as their being is capable of. Maxwell died at the young age of 48 due to stomach cancer. Despite his short life, physicists classify his work along with Einstein and Newton. In advancing our knowledge about God's world, Maxwell understood that he was performing the work of the kingdom of heaven with an expectation that it would lead people to glorify God and to fulfill God's purposes for the world. We should all be as intentional as Christians to commit and to cultivate our minds in obedience to Christ. For a gift of any amount this month, I'd like to send you a very helpful and concise book called What Does It Mean to Be a Thoughtful Christian? by Dr. David Dockery. We've also developed a helpful video series on the Christian mind, featuring teachers like Elisa Childers and Dr. Kevin Van Hooser. To learn more about this resource, please visit colsoncenter.org slash January. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. For more resources to live like a Christian in this cultural moment, go to colsoncenter.org. 20 past the hour, let's go outside next. Ken McKinley. Good afternoon. A stalled warm front in the region, keeping skies solidly cloudy across the entire region through the afternoon. The warm front will also be the focus for some rainfall, which will occur through the afternoon. Steadiest and heaviest rain will occur later in the afternoon and into the evening from the thruway on northward in New York State. The temperatures will remain above freezing through the afternoon and evening, and in fact through the night tonight as well. The rain will taper off through the evening, but the clouds will remain overnight. Tomorrow, somewhat cooler air begins to work its way into the area. We'll still have a lot of clouds around, although there may be some breaks in spots, especially in Pennsylvania. We'll have an upper disturbance coming across the area on Friday, which will produce clouds and some spotty light precipitation, either rain or snow, as the temperatures by then will be back down into the 30s, a bit more normal for this time of the year. All right, Ken, thank you much. This is the Noon Report right here on Family Life. A lot happened in this Wednesday, the 4th of January. The Food and Drug Administration has just made it easier for women to get abortion pills at drugstores. Here's correspondent Vicki Barker. Among other things, the new federal rules make it easier to order abortion pills online. This is huge. Legal expert Lori Levinson means that even though many states have taken steps to restrict abortions, especially at clinics, the use of male drugs for women who want to end their own pregnancies is not likely to stop. Making this the next likely legal battlefield over abortion access rights. We should mention more than half of all the abortions done in this country are now done through pills, not surgery. Pro-lifers fear do-it-yourself abortions will become even more commonplace in post row america the president and a former president are weighing in on the speaker's stalemate on capitol hill president biden says kevin mccarthy's three-peat defeat is not a good look for the country former president trump urging republicans to back the former minority leader close the deal and take the victory correspondent vicky uh, uh, deborah rodriguez i should say and for his part kevin mccarthy remaining optimistic going into a second day of balloting are you going to stay in the race I'm not going anywhere, says McCarthy. Lawmakers will try for a fourth time today to elect a speaker. Will it be him? Texas conservative Trip Chip Roy hopes not. And people ask me, what do you want? I want the tools or I want the leadership to stop the swamp from running over the average American every single day. New York Congressman-elect Mike Lawler says the Never Kevin Caucus is an embarrassment. The bottom line for me is these folks, uh, you know, need to...
to get on board. He accuses the rebel Republicans of grandstanding. For too many of these folks, they seem bent on holding the rest of us hostage uh, and frankly would rather be in the minority throwing bombs than have to actually take responsibility for the government. The House is constitutionally bound to elect a speaker before taking up any business, and that would include swearing in new members. Buffalo Bill safety, Damar Hamlin, is improving in the hospital, though he remains sedated on a respirator following a freak injury in a game this week against the Bengals. Correspondent Maggie Vespa. Hamlin's uncle telling CNN the Bills player is now flipped onto his stomach in the hospital, trying to help with blood in his lungs. Hamlin is still on a ventilator, but his uncle says he is requiring less oxygen than he was initially, and the next goal is for Hamlin to start breathing on his own. Hamlin's uncle adds that the Bills player was resuscitated a second time on his way to the hospital. New York State continues to lead the nation in population laws. This is the second consecutive year that New York is number one in outmigration. In the recent one-year period, ending in July, the state lost about 180,000 people. That's near Nearly 1% of the population. It's New York. No one likes it here. Rules, regulations, taxes. The crime is everywhere, so it's just gotten worse. Governor Kathy Hochul has previously acknowledged the state is losing people and said her goal is to make New York the most business-friendly and worker-friendly state in the country. Scott Pringle, New York. All right, Scott, thank you very much. We are coming up on 25 past the hour, and you're listening to The Noon Report on Family Life. Welcome back to another edition of Real Answers with Christopher Anderson. Wednesdays during the Noon Report, we tackle the tough topics facing today's families with licensed mental health counselor Christopher Anderson. And first of all, Happy New Year, Chris. Yes, Brandon, same to you, and Happy New Year to all of our listeners out there, and welcome 2023. That's right, and in keeping with our New Year tradition, we are looking at habit development and some tips to help with making improvements in the new year. Yes, Brandon, you know, this is a topic that either causes people to cringe or to get excited, (laughs) you know, at least until the momentum wears off, and that's what we're going to be addressing today. So the stats show that at six months, only 46% of resolution makers are still on track. And at the end of the year, only 9% would rate themselves as successful in their ventures. So let's get right to the question, Chris. Why is this the case? There's so many factors here that come into play. And really, setting a New Year's resolution is just deciding to make a change in your life. And change is not easy. And it's stressful, but there's a number of factors, again, that we need to look at when we consider making changes to our habits and the way we live our lives. And again, there's a lot of them that set us up to not be successful, for example, when we have unrealistic expectations. You know, if we have somebody, let's say, 50 years old wanting to suddenly get in shape and in their mind, they're seeing themselves with a 25 to 30-year-old physique, probably won't happen. (laughs) So we need to have realistic expectations. If we're failure to be mindful, now this is a big one, you know, when we're mindful, it helps us to keep things in perspective. So when we're not mindful of this whole situation and keeping goals in our sights, then we can get sidetracked. Another thing is failure to track our progress and set many goals or even not understanding how habits are formed. And then finally, another big one is not understanding the psychological component of our unhealthy behaviors and exactly what that is doing for us and maintaining the bad habits. So we can take these factors and turn them into steps to help maintain the goals. 
Absolutely. And so, for example, that mindfulness component that I was just talking about, that simply means not losing sight of our goal and then seeing every single decision as a small step towards reaching that final goal. Now, that's really, again, the most effective way of bringing about change. Again, to remain mindful, you want to, let's say, post some reminders around the house that that is your goal. And also put them in places where they're going to prompt you to be thinking about that goal, keeping it in mind, okay? You can also have others on board kind of as your cheering section, too, to help you to reach your goal or even perhaps have somebody that's on the journey with you in the sense that they also want the same goal. So you got some company along the way there. And again, making sure you know how habits are formed, which is something that we've addressed before on Real Answers, and that is, again, knowing, being aware of this process and knowing that bad habits are always easier to form than good habits, since the good habits tend to take more effort to putting them together. Now, the bad habits generally are formed out of motivation from avoidance. For example, I'm going to avoid pain, I'm going to avoid fear, discomfort. And then addictions form in this way as well. So bad habits tend to help us to avoid pain, get rid of pain or whatever, but they're very unproductive. Now, good habits, on the other hand, generally address these same areas in a positive way that lead to growth or overall contentment. But the good habits will take longer to form and will often mean that we need to actually face the very things that we're avoiding. We've got to be thinking about them. We've got to understand why. Is it easier for me to pick up a gallon of ice cream as opposed to eating something more healthy? Again, it's, that, it's almost like the, the comfort eating, the comfort food. There's a psychological component to that. And like we've shared many times before, that support system is so important in any move towards healthier ways of living. It absolutely is. Fundamentally, this is a biblical principle that goes right back, again, to what God originally wanted. He wanted us to be very much mindful of the way we live and mindful of Him. He wanted us to be connected in a very real, meaningful way to other people and doing life together in a community. Not only having, you know, as Christians, having folks that share our beliefs and can understand the way life's supposed to work according to God, it's so important. Again, just that connection, because it pulls us through the hard times when we have tough times or we're going through a difficult time or we need to make changes. Those can be invaluable ways of getting support. Uh, Great information to start off this new year. Thanks, Chris. Absolutely. You've been listening to another edition of Real Answers with Christopher Anderson. It airs Wednesdays during the Noon Report. We tackle the tough topics facing today's families with Christian counselor Christopher Anderson. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much. And you can download all our Real Answers podcasts online anytime. Just go to FamilyLife.org and look for the news icon. Good afternoon. A stalled warm front in the region, keeping skies solidly cloudy across the entire region through the afternoon. The warm front will also be the focus for some rainfall, which will occur through the afternoon. Steadiest and heaviest rain will occur later in the afternoon and into the evening from the thruway on northward in New York State. The temperatures will remain above freezing through the afternoon and evening, and in fact, through the night tonight as well. The rain will taper off through the evening, but the clouds will remain overnight. Tomorrow, somewhat cooler air begins to work its way into the area. We'll still have a lot of clouds around, although there may be some breaks in spots, especially in Pennsylvania. We'll have an upper disturbance coming across the area on Friday, which will produce clouds and some spotty light precipitation, either rain or snow, as the temperatures by then will be back down into the 30s, a bit more normal for this time of the year. All right, Ken McKinley filling in for Kevin today. Thank you very much. And before we go, did you hear the fireworks didn't happen for one quaint little British seaside community this year, New Year's Eve, four nights ago. Family Life's Brian Crary tells us why. The small British town of Scarborough is drawing huge crowds for a special visitor in town. His name 
name is Thor, and Thor is an Arctic walrus. Thor has drawn huge crowds to Scarborough since being spotted on New Year's Eve, and local wildlife experts asked people not to disturb him. So town officials sealed the deal on some peace for Thor, and the town canceled their New Year's Eve fireworks display so Thor could continue to sleep in the harbor, fearing the noise could cause distress to the animal. The Arctic walrus has been gradually making his way up the east coast and coming ashore at various beaches. People have flocked to Scarborough to see Thor, as one man called it a, quote, once-in-a-lifetime first time ever thing in Scarborough to see, and officials say it was worth the fuss for the tusk. <laughs> Brian Query, Family Life News. Nothing worse than an angry walrus. Thank you very much, Brian. That's the world we live in Wednesday, the 4th of January, 2023. I'm Bob Price. Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.